Hi readers, and welcome to episode 32 of Lost the Plot, the Tinted Edges monthly podcast all about books. I'm your host, Angharad, and this episode is not only the last episode of season two, it is also going to be the last episode of Lost the Plot, at least for now. I'm going on hiatus indefinitely to work on some other projects, so a big, big thank you to everyone who has listened and followed and liked and commented over the past three years. I have really, really appreciated all of your support. I'll still be posting my book reviews on the Tinted Edges website, and you can follow on Facebook and Instagram as well. Anyway, for my last interview, I'm coming full circle to the topic of my first ever interview on this podcast, and I'm interviewing a Canberra bookseller. Today, we're joined by James Redden, who will be talking to us about what it takes to open a new bookshop. Uh, the opening a bookshop is, is exhausting. If you want to follow along and find out more information about all the topics discussed in this episode, you can check out the show notes on the Lost the Plot webpage at www.tintededges.com slash lost dash the dash plot. In Books for the World updates to kick off the start of 2019, the Canberra Street Library group, Little Street Libraries, has issued a challenge to Canberrans to build a street library in each suburb. There are already three in my suburb, so I'm not contributing much, but you can. In the middle of the year, Women's Woodworking Workshop Two Sheds is offering a two-day street library making workshop, and you can check out the link in the show notes. Meanwhile, the February Lifeline Book Fair was just held at Epic in Canberra and the line on the opening day was completely out of control. So many people turned up that the line wound all the way around the building and Lifeline posted a video of the extraordinary number of people who turned up to buy books to support the Suicide Intervention Organization. If you want to hear more about the Lifeline Book Fair, you can check out episode 7 of Lost the Plot. There is plenty of book news since the last episode, and the book awards are starting to ramp up again. In astonishing news, Manus Island detainee and asylum seeker Beruz Buchani has won the richest literary prize in Australia, the Victorian Premier's Literary Awards, for his book No Friend But the Mountains. The book, a non-fiction work, was composed text by text over WhatsApp. Buchani is still detained on Manus Island to this day under the Australian government's harsh and indefinite refugee policies, and he was unable to attend the awards in person to claim the $125,000 prize. The shortlist for the 2019 Indie Book Awards has been announced across each of the six categories of fiction, non-fiction, debut fiction, illustrated non-fiction, children, and young adult. I won't go through them all, but the four shortlisted books in the fiction category are The Lost Man by Jane Harper, Shell by Christina Olsen, The Shepherd's Hut by Tim Winton, and Bridge of Clay by Marcus Zusak. The winners are going to be announced in March. The shortlist for the Aurealis Awards has also been announced. They do seem to do theirs a little retrospectively, so it's the 2018 shortlist for books across, again, a number of categories, such as 
children's story, graphic novel, young adult short story, horror short story, horror novella, fantasy short story, fantasy novella, science fiction short story, science fiction novella, collection, anthology, young adult novel, horror novel, fantasy novel, and science fiction novel. You will see why I am not going to read out the nominees, but the winners will be announced in May. The long list has been announced for the 2019 Stellar Prize with 10 books nominated. We've got Little Gods by Jenny Ackland, Man Out of Time by Stephanie Bishop, Blue Bottle by Belinda Castles, The Bridge by Enza Gandolfo, The Arsonist by Chloe Hooper, The Death of Noah Glass by Gail Jones, Pink Mountain on Locust Island by Jamie Marina Lau, The Erratics by Vicky Lavio Harvey, Eggshell Skull by Bree Lee, Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko, Axiomatic by Maria Tumakin, and The World Was Whole by Fiona Wright. The shortlist will be announced on 8th of March and the winner will be announced on the 9th of April. The 2019 Welcome Book Prize longlist has been announced. This £30,000 prize celebrates literature that illuminates the way that health, medicine and illness touch our lives. There are 12 books on the shortlist, including Sarah Krasnerstein's book The Trauma Cleaner, and the shortlist will be announced in March and the winner on the 1st of May 2019. Author Jennifer Rowe, best known under her pseudonym Emily Rodder, has been appointed a companion of the Order of Australia for her services to literature, currently the highest level of achievement under that order. I loved Emily Rodder's books as a child and read through her Rowan of Rin series when I was home for weeks with glandular fever in grade six. When I finally read the series finale, Rowan of the Buckshaw, as an adult, I remember crying the ending was so perfect. My partner still has all of his Del Toro Quest books on the shelf, so a big congratulations to Jennifer Rowe for reaching so many children. There was a pretty amazing book discovery recently. Very rare 13th century manuscript pages of an Arthurian legend have been found tucked inside a four-volume set of books by a French scholar in the Bristol Central Library and have been there for hundreds of years without anybody knowing. They were discovered by a librarian who was researching bookbinding techniques and are estimated to be from between the year 1250 to 1270, making it one of the earliest versions of the legend in writing. These pages apparently tell the story of a battle of where Merlin leads the charge with a dragon banner that breathes fire. There are plenty of new releases coming out, but just as excitingly are some older US books whose copyright has expired, which means that they will enter into the public domain. In 1998, the length of copyright in America was extended by 20 years, and this is the first time in over 20 years that there has been such a mass entry of literary works into the public domain. Works that were published in 1922 were made available in 1988, but works that were published in 1923 are only just now becoming available, including works by Agatha Christie, Virginia Woolf, and D.H. Lawrence. Matt Salinger, the son of J.D. Salinger, the author of The Catcher in the Rye, has announced that previously unpublished work by the author is being prepared for publication. Although his family said he spent most of his life writing, Salinger only published four books during his lifetime. The author died in 2010, and this year is the centenary of his birth. 
There is speculation that there may be five new novels forthcoming, one focusing on the protagonist of The Catcher in the Rye, Holden Caulfield. A novel banned by Nazi Germany in the 1930s for its homoerotic content will be published in English for the first time. The book touches on issues such as interracial relationships, gay relationships, and disability, and sounds like it was well before its time. Tragically, the author, Frida Lampe, who had a disability from bone tuberculosis as a child, was shot dead six days before the end of the war by soldiers who did not believe he was the man in his identity card because he had lost so much weight. At the Edge of Night is out this month. In more contemporary releases, I am so excited that Joanne Harris is releasing a fourth installment in her Chocolat series called The Strawberry Thief. I absolutely adore this series about an independent single mother who runs a chocolate shop and I can't wait to revisit the little French village. The cover has been released for Margaret Atwood's sequel to The Handmaid's Tale called The Testaments. It is quite different in colour scheme to the original book, with a navy and spring green design instead of that classic red colour. There is a silhouette of a woman wearing the classic Handmaid's Tale bonnet and cloak, and then within the silhouette, another silhouette of a woman with her arms outstretched who makes up the folds of the cloak. The book is out later this year, and it will be very interesting to see what Atwood comes up with. Now, in a world first, or rather, and I'm sorry, I can't help myself, an out-of-this-world first, a book is going to be launched on the International Space Station after, and again, I'm sorry, being launched from Earth. The International Space Station runs their wonderful program, Storytime from Space, where astronauts record themselves reading stories about science, technology, and maths to children. Willow the Water Bear by Houston Kidd is about a microscopic organism that is extremely resilient, and the book will be leaving our planet aboard SpaceX 17 in April. There are some pretty exciting film adaptations coming out this year, and I think people will be particularly excited about Artemis Fowl, Good Omens, Little Women, Patrick Ness's series Chaos Walking, starting with The Knife of Never Letting Go, Catch-22, and Donna Tartt's novel The Goldfinch. In a sort of reverse adaptation, Guillermo del Toro's exceptional Spanish film Pan's Labyrinth has been used to inspire a book called Pan's Labyrinth, The Labyrinth of the Fawn, that apparently has a lot of additional original material and will be out in July. And not exactly adaptation news, but in celebration of Australian children's literature, Australia Post has released a collection of stamps called the Australian Legends of Children's Literature. The stamps feature the faces of five incredible Australian authors, Mem Fox, Morris Gleitzman, Lee Hobbs, Alison Lester, and Sean Tan. You can pick them up online or in store at any post office. Now, book controversies. The biggest book controversy that has been going on lately is the phenomenon that is Marie Kondo. Back in January, The Guardian published an article that damned Kondo's KonMari method to tidy and organize your belongings by only keeping the things that spark joy. Anyway, some writers have been taking to the internet to express their outrage about a rumor that Marie Kondo believes that people should only have 30 books in total. And it all started with author 
Anakana Schofield's tweet, an article condemning Kondo's method in relation to books, and the rumor kicked off from there. However, the outrage has received its own backlash, with other writers jumping into the fray to accuse the critics of being racist and deliberately misinterpreting Kondo's statement that she only keeps 30 books. People have particularly skewered Schofield's assertion that the KonMari method is woo-woo fairy tale nonsense, given that Kondo is Japanese, and apparently draws from Shinto animism in relation to some of her techniques. And some people have suggested that it is only since Kondo's TV series has come out that people have started criticizing her. Her book actually came out eight years ago after they've seen her as a Japanese woman on screen. Anyway, there are a plethora of articles and memes out there about both takes, but honestly, in my opinion, keep the books you want to keep, don't keep the books you don't want to keep. Simple. Now, in very sad book crime news, another street library has been stolen in Canberra. The Cargeligo Street Library, which was created in Duffy in memory of the curator's daughter, Amelia, went missing in January. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like there have been any updates since the family posted about it in January, but it is absolutely heartbreaking and I hope they aren't deterred and that they have another try. Now, a community reading phenomenon has kicked off in Australia and I'm thinking I might have to do one here in Canberra. People have started holding silent reading parties where people will turn up to a specified location and just read quietly in company. It sounds absolutely heavenly, so I think I'll have to pick a good time and location sometime soon and make an event on the Tinted Edges Facebook page. Now, we're almost at the main part of our episode, so I will lead into it with some bookshop news. Very sadly, Ron's Bookshop in Hawker has posted on Facebook that they are going to be closing in March. Ron has said that sales dropped off after someone put a for sale sign in his window, so he'll be finishing up selling over the counter and will focus instead on his online shop or maybe even a trash and treasure. The shop has been open for over 20 years, so it might be a good idea to head on over to help Ron shift the last of his stock, especially if you've never visited before because he is quite a character. In a near miss, a century-old bookshop in New York called The Drama Bookshop has been saved from closure by composer, lyricist, actor and author Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is best known for his musical Hamilton. The shop sells scripts, sheet music and other stage-related reading material and will move to a new location under the new ownership. Some bookshops close, others remain, but now it is time to hear about new bookshops. So it's a Friday afternoon and I am here after hours at the new Harry Hartog on location at ANU with James Redden. How are you going, James? I'm well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, James, how did you first get into selling books? Well, I think I tried very long time ago to, all I wanted was to work in a bookshop and I constantly handed my resume into the Angus and Robertson at Woden. Oh yeah. Handed resume in and tried online constantly over and over again and gave up on it for a while because I didn't hear anything back and then um, I was just working a, at a Target I think at the time and, and thought I'd, I saw a job come up for a, a manager position at the Belconnen Angus and Robertson and 
then decided, and then and I got an interview, and it turns out they filled the Belconnen assistant manager position, and then they said, oh, we've got a position at the Woden store, and so <laughs> there you go. You're like, oh, so, Woden. <laughs> Woden, it's the one I wanted all this time. So uh, look, it was, and it was a great store at the time. It was one of Angus Robertson's best oh, stores. Right. It was okay. in there, you know, top five consistently. Yeah, wow. Um, and. Yeah, that was a great job. I had a had a really good store manager, um, and the you know it was the the Canberra bookselling community at the time was fantastic. You know, you knew who all the all the publishers reps were, and, yeah, and it yeah. was um, you know it was a good time to to be in bookselling. The golden years. The golden yeah, was I think it, it was the. Was it a while the, ago? Because when I I don't think I've lived in Canberra for about this is my 12th year actually that's yeah. outrageous but I don't think Angus was Angus and Robertson and Woden oh yeah closed up I'm trying to think it was it's probably about 12 years ago I was oh, there right I and then I was then at the sort of at the <laughs> end of the I you could see the cracks forming in the Angus and Robertson model they were mm. it was a you could see the, the the struggles from a distance that the business was having and, and yeah. decided that I needed to get out of that and then yep. Less than six months later, the the whole Red Group debacle happened, where all the Angus and Robertsons and Borders decided mm-hmm. to disappear. Yeah, which sort of everyone thought signalled the end of bookselling. Mm. Um, so after Angus and Robertson had a bit of a, a stint trying to improve the the book range and um, book selling opportunities at uh, at Parliament House. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How so did, did that, that go? It was. A lot of roadblocks. Yeah, is that um, because parliamentarians don't read very much? Uh, no, it's more. It was more the just the just public service bureaucracy oh, gone yeah. mad a little bit. Yeah. Um, Red tape in camera. Yeah, sure. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It, it was a really. It was a great little shop, and it. Um, there was some really lovely staff there, but it was, you know, just trying to get a just a, a book on the shelf was difficult yeah you know, there was wow. a manager's manager's manager had to approve oh. purchase orders and a manager's manager's manager had to approve invoices and it just turned into a yeah no, a nightmare yeah <laughs> and then so yeah so then I was then I disappeared for from the from the bookselling world for about five years and then just I don't even know how there was just a an advertisement for this bookshop that I'd never heard of I did a, did a google and tried to find as much as I could about Harry Hartog, but there was absolutely nothing on the internet, but they were opening a new bookshop in, in Woden. It was a whole new brand. It was a whole new concept. And I thought, well, it doesn't hurt to ask the questions. Mm. And, um, and yeah, that was yeah, opened 1st of October, 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then since then, so this is now with new. this is the 11th. Harry Hart talk so in less than five years so 11 stores and yeah I was there at the very beginning so so can you tell us a little bit about the Harry Hartog model because there's sort of because there are 11 stores Mm. but they kind of have a bit of a independent bookstore vibe and obviously uh, so uh, what is the Harry Hartog model so it is we are independent so Harry Hartog is is independently owned um, and operated so it's each store, while you know we've got a head office and and, and buyers and there's a, there's a structure in place, uh, the the stores have a lot of autonomy to work their way into the communities. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which I think is is really important. You know, bookstores should be that. 
cornerstone of, of every community and um, and that's that's really what Harry Hartog's trying to do and give the give that autonomy to the people that are that are in the shop rather than trying to market and 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 brand and, and all those sorts of things from head office from somebody yeah. who doesn't know what the communities are like yeah um, and it's it's I mean Harry Hartog's all about bringing uh, the, the excitement and wonder of, of bookshops back to, to communities getting people excited by books we know that we can't compete with a lot of online and and the department store mm-hmm. retailers but it's it's really about um, making a place that people want to come and buy books or just yeah. look at books or just being involved with books yeah yeah um, and, um, and and that independence allows us to, to just have that that say in, in how we go about how the stores operate yeah and yeah. and I, so I know um, from the Harry Hartog in Woden yeah there's quite a lot of interaction with local authors and local publishers yeah. as well so it's not just sort of this kind of homogenous Australia-wide big publishers thing yeah you know. and there's and Canberra's brilliant for this it's it's just there's so many quality local authors mm. here that that need the recognition or the attention and because they don't live in Sydney or Melbourne, they don't get the red carpets rolled out for them, or the yeah. or the um, you know the publicist taking them on a tour of all the bookshops or, or something like that. You know, yeah, there's yeah. there's only a handful of bookshops in Canberra, and and the publishers are just sometimes a bit too far away to, to really give them any sort of a platform. Mm. Um, it's and it's so important. I think you know, there's that's how we're going to discover the next whoever if we're not promoting them yeah and giving there's, them an opportunity to yeah there's something exciting about maybe being able to say you know we held the launch for whoever when they were self-published and now you know they're a megastar so, yeah yeah. Oh, that's, um, yeah and so i guess you know so you've been obviously running bookshops yeah for quite a long time what do you and and now we've got the new ANU bookshop. Yeah. What do you think are some of the biggest differences between running a bookshop that's already you know and, and opening a new one? Apart from like the oh, look, huge <laughs> difference in logistics. Ah, uh, the opening a bookshop is is exhausting. I think yeah. it's but I just bookshops in general. I think a lot of people don't realise the the physical labour that goes into being on the ground I think yeah. that's um, you know there's the myth that that we get to sit around and read books all day it's wonderful but it's perpetuated by Bernard Black obviously yeah that's yeah. right yeah um, but you know for, for it to run effectively you know there's a lot of heavy lifting and mm. you know books aren't light mm-hmm. um, but there's you know there's always little things that you never think about when when opening shops that sort of comes to it at the end you know you think there's good you've got to have to make sure that things are in alphabetical order and you've got little shelf signs you've got to put up and mm. um you know that's it, it's also creating a flow as well thinking about well you know this section needs to be over here and this section needs to be over here and because when you think about it if a customer's looking for say um you know crime fiction it's is it, is it worth putting it next to general fiction or do you put you know, children's books near crime fiction and you realise that you've made a terrible mistake because you don't want kids looking at books and then seeing, you know, gruesome crime yeah. cover scenes and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, it's always fun to sort of plan those sorts of things out. And yeah, then, what do they call that? Um, there's like a design term for that, I think, sort of just 
thinking about where intuitively are people going to go yeah and when they're moving around a space mm. yeah it does um I mean, you don't, yeah, when you, you don't really think about it. When you're looking at, a, say, a blueprint of a shop, and you go, well, that, you know, those need to be there because you're gonna, we need to have three shelves of a particular section. But then when you, are, you know, the shelves are in, you're down on the ground, you're actually looking at the, at the, at the physical shelves, you, you know, oh, that's not quite right. And then yeah. you realise it's going to take you another three or four hours just to move oh. all the books from one section to another so you know you get yeah. you get good at rearranging yeah as yeah. well that's that's kind of the the thing and it's um yeah just finding people that know their alphabet i think you know a, you know a week after setting up a shop sometimes you it, you know all the letters blurring blurring to one another and you uh, yeah look I, I i won't i won't say which bookshop it is but i went to a bookshop not very long ago um that yeah. was a new bookshop and i went in there and the books were not arranged in alphabetical order but yeah. it had opened and i just i was like i cannot handle yeah, this level of chaos <laughs> yeah i can't i cannot i cannot return here until they have their yeah things in order. Some, sometimes i think a little bit of you know if it's a maybe like a, a, a secondhand shop or a or a jumble sale or something like that sometimes it's the discovery if something's out of order and you discover yeah. that, that's that can be fun and exciting if, you know there's no order but you know, when you you come in and you're looking for, you know, the new Lee Child or whatever, you 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 want to be able to yeah. go to the right shelf. But also working in a bookshop, I want to be able to go to the shelf and find what I'm looking for as well. So Instead of going, oh, yeah, I've seen I've seen the new Lee Child. Is it? Yeah. Oh, was it was either over there or over there? You want to know exactly where it is and, and be able to go straight to it. So <laughs> it's um yeah, it's kind of it's sort of the first thing I was you know it's one of those things I always ask in in job interviews as well as how good's your alphabet yeah so, can you yeah. say the alphabet backwards that's right say the alphabet backwards now yeah. that's right <laughs> 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 they're like said y k you're yeah, out yeah that's right <laughs> it's um yeah so obviously you know you've, you've got to be thinking because i'm sure i'm sure a bookshop any bookshop that you would start managing mm you would always be looking for opportunities to sort of improve the way things are. But when you have a blank slate, gosh, how you, you know, where do you even begin? Yeah, I think you, there are some things that make sense. You know, you keep all your fiction together. You put yeah. your, your fiction and your crime and crime fiction and your science fiction, fantasy and those sorts of things should all be in the same spot. Yeah. Um, and then it's, I don't know if there's a, there's no real science to it, I think. Mm. And sometimes it's all in my head. And it's probably wrong. But, you know, I like to you know, have things like history flows into politics, which flows into business and finance, which flows into maybe like Australian nonfiction or something like that. Mm. You know, I'm I just sure try and think what... I'm sure know. it's like the Dewey Decimal System, right? Somebody yeah. decided that, you know, things go in a particular order yeah. in, like a, in like a gradient of um, topics. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Who, I mean, there's who are, you know, Dewey probably wrote down, you know, said this is the way it should be and it's stayed that way ever yeah, since. Yeah. So the libraries are lucky they've got something they've got, they can they've got they've got something they can refer to. So maybe I don't know, maybe it's it probably be a nightmare, but running a bookshop on the Dewey decimal system could be a an interesting challenge. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well I don't want to be that person that does it, but I'd like to see someone give it a go. Don't want to experiment with that here at yeah. ANU. No. No. Although, you know, there'd be some, some book nerds out there that probably like the idea of 
rummaging secondhand books on the Dewey Decimal System. So yeah, well, I personally at home I have about six different systems on each of my bookshelves. Is it, is it mood based? No, it's like completely. Like one shelf is by color. One shelf is you know by alphabet. One shelf is by topic. Yeah. One shelf is um, by sets. In, in, okay. in, in order of the ones that I like the best so it just really like and yeah. it seems to be because I've got sort of different shelves for different genres it seems to very much depend on the genre so yeah, it, if yeah. it's um, you know if they're classics and they're in really like pretty editions of sets then it'll be sort of by the way that each set looks yeah. but if it's um, you know general fiction it's just alphabetical but if it's non-fiction it's by topic yeah. so and you can have that luxury at home you can I know play around because it's really it's just for you and yeah that's right know, and sometimes I do just rearrange stuff just because I feel like it yeah yeah as you should yeah there's some amazing people you know people do some amazing things with gradients of colors on yeah other books on shelves and yeah I, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'd love to be able to do that in the shop but it would just be I, I think it'd be maybe not very um accessible no <laughs> Fun to, fun to try. So if but, anyone you know. ever came in and said to you, hey, have you seen that green book? You could be like, well, here are well, all the green Well, here's the green, green section. That's right. It's, you know, that's the, the curse of the librarian and the bookseller is getting asked about, I don't know the title, but it's blue. Is the, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, here, so here at the new Harry Hartog, you know, yeah. you guys do have non-fiction, oh, sorry, non-fiction. You do have um, new books as well as secondhand books. Yep. So do you want to sort of maybe paint a bit of a word picture while it, we're sitting yeah. here of how the how the structure is here it's um it's it's probably a bit terrifying when people walk in because it's a bit of a wall of textbooks at the moment where we are stuck in the yeah the rush a week kind of period of, of semester one mm. and um, that's a big difference as well because he obviously at the other harry hartogs that's right textbooks, no and, textbooks yeah at all yeah um and why anyone would get into textbooks is beyond me but we've decided to do it anyway and and and, and it's it's a learning curve but it's good fun yeah so um, if you want to buy a copy of the corporations act that's right you can buy There's, one oh, plenty plenty <laughs> um and but i mean we we don't want to be known as the textbook shop we don't want to we want to be a place that is is, is fun and exciting and has those books you do find in other bookshops and have, yeah. have that same great Harry Hartog range but um, you know keeping it keeping it on point with um, you, know, you know strong academic titles mm -hmm. um, a lot of good uh, history politics science we've got a lot of um, which is a bit different to Woden probably a little bit more sometimes a bit more mass market yeah but at the same time we, we don't want we want people to have access to those mass market titles they should be able to get the new lead child if they they want to why, why should we deny them that yeah um, and 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 coming up the stairs we've got a whole massive section of or floor yeah of second hand which is which is where right we are now. right now yeah. it's um which is it's fantastic and and so far it's it's from what i've heard the the students uh the literary literary studies or the literary group club whatever they call themselves have a facebook group and they're going crazy on that at the moment with, with binds on binds on second hand you know funny things they've discovered and <laughs> um so which is really cool it's and that's sort of what we want to be is is part of the that university culture you know that people yeah. can people can come in here and, and and find stuff that enriches them 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, so for people who don't live in Canberra and who might not have ever visited ANU, you know, obviously that the university has undergone like a serious makeover. Yeah, um, compared huge. to when yeah, and almost compared to when I studied here many years ago. Um, and what was Union Court is just, I mean, completely unrecognizable yeah. now. And so you've got a new sort of central meeting place in the university and a mm. new bookshop. Yep. Um, which obviously is very different to the to the old um, co-op. Yeah. Um, which I think I s- believe I still have a lifetime membership to, which is probably not worth. Yeah, a I think lot there's only one co-op days. left in Canberra over at the Defence Force Academy now. So. At the Defence Force, and not yeah. even at UC. UC is closed now, so we've oh, had. We've do had they sell books at UC? Well, they've well they've they, a lot of the students are coming to us. And of course, we didn't know until so we've had them saying, "I want I want this course text and." Uh, Fortunately, we're not doing UC, but now that we know the co-op's gone, is, uh, is I know I know we're not at UC, but I'm quite concerned that they don't sell books at UC anymore. I'm like I, I feel there's like there's nothing. There's no bookshop. No, no one is is oh. is offering them anything, which is that's outrageous. Devastating. Yeah, like I'm sure the kids at UC can read as well. well you hope so. Yeah, they're in university. I think they've done, <laughs> they've done a little bit of reading in their day. <laughs> Wow, what a disaster. But this is, I mean, hopefully this is maybe a blueprint for maybe something that the University of Canberra might like to try. This is, I mean, this this Canberra, this new uh, retail precinct, which is a bit of a dry term of phrase, but it's it's not just for the university. They're trying to create a really interesting, vibrant, unique place for all the people of Canberra to to rock up and, and, and... and enjoy so there's going to be some great restaurants there's bookshop there's a gym there's a swimming uh, pool swimming pool I know, which is, um, i'm very excited about yeah, and then behind behind the shop there's uh theaters and cinemas and yeah, a cinema there's a cinema directly behind us so oh my god which is um it's just like you know this place has been under construction for just months and months and months yeah. the whole thing and yeah it's really interesting sitting here because now you can sort of um when people come visit Harry Hartog, I think one of the big differences between here and the Woden one is obviously, you know, the big open windows. Yeah. And you can just sort of sit out and look out onto the university in a way that you couldn't... Like, yeah. there was no way you could kind of sit up and, and have that view. Which I think goes well with, with bookshops as well. You want to be able to... It, it's quite encouraging, I think, walking out there and being mm. able to look in at two floors of books as well. Yeah, know? absolutely. And it's we've got it. We, we, we're in a good spot. Yeah, it's yeah. a great location on right in the heart of the the ANU. Yeah, um, yeah. and you know we when when some of the coffee shops open uh, and the wine bar opens, we're still waiting for a, a lot of things to open. Yeah, uh, but when they do, it's it, the whole network of of shops is just going to create such a unique, enjoyable atmosphere. So. Yeah, that's right. And so, do you think um, and I know that Harry Hartog hosts a lot of events. Yep. Do you think that there'll be events um, here in the bookshop or elsewhere in the university? Because obviously there's lots of lecture theatres and stuff yeah. like that as well. What do you, what are you yeah, thinking so about? So at the moment, the, the ANU has an unbelievably... It's just a, a fantastic uh, range of events that are already organised. So yep. they do their Meet the Author events. Yeah, the Canberra Times uh, Meet the, the Author. The Canberra Times Meet yeah, the Author, yeah. which, which they, they do about... 30 or 40 or something like that every year yeah. so and and we're lucky that we we've organized to be the bookseller for all of those events yeah wow. um, and, and so that means he'll be on like location that's right. selling the books people yep. can get them signed by the Absolutely. author oh, and it's so and the theater that they that they have it in is just behind the shop so there's hey. just put on a trolley and 
take it over and bring it back. So it's yeah. um, it's Do nice. Do they and still easy. have the Manning Clark theatres there? Or it's it's still Manning Clark, but they have uh, they've taken it down but re- rebuilt it, and it now Gosh, has this really yeah. So oh it's God. it's got this amazing uh, twenty million dollar Sydney Nolan copper plate artwork along the walls, and um, wow, I recommend everyone go and check it out look at that. if you can. Yeah. So it's um it's in the big yeah the Manning Clark it's an eight hundred seat theatre mm. and that, and that's something that could be available to us for our events yeah yeah but we still want to have in store events there's something exciting about going into a bookshop yeah to have the event well and I, I know at Woden um you've had some really diverse events in the past yeah. I think um I think we came in. I've got a, a fantasy book club that mobbed you one time for a fantasy quiz night. Oh, that was so good. That was, that was the best. <laughs> you, guys, you guys wiped the floor with everyone. Oh, so. my gosh. We thought we were going to do very poorly, and we actually, I think we won by 20 points yeah. or something. It was just out yeah. of control. I think you, won, you were pretty much leading the whole night. So yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I think we were, we were pretty rambunctious. Yeah. <laughs> As you should be. Those things should be fun. It was good. But, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it would be great to um, see some mm. really fun in-store events That's like right. that. And, obviously, up here on the top floor, it's a little bit yeah. more open plan. And we still, got, you know, all our shelves are on wheels. Yeah, so everything, exactly, you know, we can exactly. make larger spaces, and and students can bring a whole raft of interesting ideas as well. Whether it's trivia nights or board game nights, yeah, um, yeah. or anything that you know, we can we can tie it in with a book launch or a or some sort of book themed event. Yeah. yeah, I mean, author signings are great. You're meeting your, your favorite author and getting a book signed is really good. But mm. you know, not authors are, are natural on the platform public speakers yeah so right. trying something a bit different yeah yeah we you know we, we last year in Woden we had murder mystery dinner parties and yeah. trivia nights and um yeah so been you know happy to try anything if it gets people reading and yeah. interested in books yeah let's give it a go and do you, i mean do you think that that sort of is something that's um what's the word uh is I guess like a central characteristic of Harry Hartog being flexible and being able to kind of adapt to the needs of, of yeah the local community definitely and that's that's what we we tried to we're trying to do with Harry Hartog is reinvent bookshops as yeah. well you know if people are saying that bookshops are dying well we have to say well if you want to bring them back what do we need to do differently yeah and that's you know, and just to sit there and say, well, we need to get people interested and excited about books. So we have to work towards getting people excited. And whether that's events and and just rocking up somewhere with books to a school, or yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know that you know the opportunities are, are still endless. It's um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy to just give anything a go. Really, I think yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the motto. And so. Um, there is like there's a couple more things I wanted to talk about. So uh, obviously, you know, I think a feature of Harry Hartog's is is the decor, and mm. I think each store really has its own flavor. Yep. And so this one, um, you know, we're sitting we're sitting here at quite a large secondhand table on some vintage leather uh, upholstered. Is that the word? Upholstered yeah. chairs. There we yeah. go. I'm thinking back to like the shipping news or any book I've read about <laughs> upholstering. And um, we've got a lot of really interesting objects that are just hanging directly from the ceiling. I mean, is this just is this just a collection of five teapots? Yeah, like, silver. I, th- I don't know if they're silver. Real silver. silver. They they're look pretty silver. I don't want students pinching them. But yeah. <laughs> um, but they look. It's shiny, 
teapots and yeah we've got a drum and I don't even know what that is there's a it's a, some sort of a cooking pot right <laughs> and uh, there's a violin and there's yeah. an oh, there's a a couple of New ships. South Wales rural fire service helmet from the early oh, 1900s there's, right. there's boats and a cactus. Yep, and a, um, a book. And a book. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, down on the on the bottom level, there's some really cool lamps and uh, you know, sort of a street light reminiscent of Narnia. Yep. Um, and now we've got a, our gigantic hot air balloon. Yeah. It's still a bit of a, a little bit of a work in progress, but it's um, a bit of the centerpiece. Yeah. To the shop. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do like that Harry Hartog has a little bit of a uh, bit of a steampunk vibe to it. Maybe yeah. that's something that connects some of the shops, like bicycles and hot air balloons. Yeah, it's, it's just about that you can it, you can step into any world when you yeah. walk in. You know that it's any any sort of story. Yeah, that you can walk into, and it's it, it's just designed to complement the experiences that you have when you read. You know that you. You can you can get away and, and and experience something completely different. Yeah. Um, or just capture your imagination. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's. Well, that's the thing part. about books, right? That's right. Yeah. So I guess if people want to come find you, where how what's the easiest way? The best way. Well, this is this is well. If if you know how to get to the Australian National University, then we are smack bang in the middle. Yep. Uh, right down University Avenue. It is. It's, uh, I, it's almost the first thing that you see if you're walking from right. Civic down U- University Avenue into the yeah. university. If you, if you miss us, you're probably looking in the wrong direction, I would, yeah. I would say. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and it's two, so it's sort of, we're in kind of two stories here and then there's the big, uh, which is just a big facade of glass windows and then you've got stuff on the top as well. Yeah, there's something that there's a sort of a gallery and a wine bar. Oh, is that, that is what's going to be up that's there? That's what's going up top. So, That's exciting. That's yeah, exciting. It's, it's, it's Friday evenings are. Yeah, well, sounding, if you've got books better, and a wine so. bar, then. That's right. <laughs> you've yeah. already, I'm here. Already. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it goes so well. You know, I think it's, um, it'd be nice because you've got the, the traditional uni pub, which, yeah. is, which has just opened up. And, you know, you'll have something a little bit more subdued, I think, a little bit, you know, won't be as, as raucous and and full on is, is going to the, the pub on a Friday night yeah, so yeah. if you want to you know read a book and with a glass of wine in hand it sounds like it'll be a, be the place a to pretty do it. nice place oh that sounds fantastic yeah. <laughs> well I'm very excited to uh, come here all the time excellent we'll have you anytime <laughs> thank you so much well and thank you so much for joining us on the show James thank you for having me That was James Redden, and you can go check out the new Harry Hartog yourself at the Australian National University's recently renovated campus. So I have kicked off 2019 with some very strong reading, and at the time of recording, which is at the end of February, I have already read 16 books, and they weren't even short ones, which has put me five books ahead of my reading schedule to make 80 books again this year. Some of the highlights have been Stella Longlist nominee Too Much Lip by Melissa Lukashenko, an Aboriginal family drama about a bisexual young woman who is on the run from police, Like Water for Chocolate by Laura Esquivel, a Mexican magic realism novel which is completely and utterly outrageous and extremely compelling, 
The Knife of Never Letting Go by Patrick Ness, a science fiction young adult novel which explores gender in a fascinating way. I Do Not Come Here by Chance by Ada Obi Trisha Nwaobani about Nigerian internet scams. Kingdom of Copper, the second installment following The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty, incredible fantasy set in the Middle East, and An American Marriage by Tayari Jones that explores love, relationships, and family in the context of institutionalized racism. Alrighty, readers, that's it from me, at least for the time being. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I will be disabling the Patreon page for now, but all the episodes of Lost the Plot will still be available online to stream and download. You can subscribe to the Tinted Edges Facebook for book reviews, which will be coming thick and fast. You can also follow the Tinted Edges Facebook page to keep up to date with upcoming book events. You can check out the Instagram page, leave reviews on iTunes, and you can even have a listen on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening and please feel free to get in touch if you ever want to talk about books.